Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Morning Show with Anthony podcast. This one is going to be something a little bit different. You know, every day we try and bring you just one little focused item. Today, we thought we'd try a little experiment and let us know what you think about this. You can tweet me at AnthonyWEHM, email me, Anthony at WEHM.com, uh, Facebook, I'm WEHM Anthony, just send me a message. Um, we're going to put a, a little amalgamation. It's going to be a little bit of everything today. So this is some of the things that we covered all throughout the course of the Morning Show with Anthony. Uh, we do everything from Brian Setzer to David Bowie's new shoes to Apple's huge announcement with Apple News and Apple TV Plus and everything that that entails and the music uh, projects that they are putting together for that. It involves Oprah and Steven Spielberg. It's kind of huge and crazy. Uh, we just covered a lot of different fun stuff today. and We thought, let's throw this all into one podcast and see if people enjoy listening to this more so than just one sort of you know, four to eight minute clip on one topic. So let me know your thoughts. Feedback is always welcome everywhere. Thanks so much. Brian Setzer is a complete madman, animal lunatic. This guy is absolutely insane to me. How old is Brian Setzer? The Stray Cats are celebrating their 40th anniversary. So he's got to be what, almost in his 60s, early 59 years old. All right. 59 years old. Massapequa zone. Uh, the Stray Cats went ahead and announced their 40th anniversary tour, right? They'll be in Atlantic City on August 3rd. They'll be in New York at the South Street Seaport on August 6th. They go on from there. Virginia, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota, Utah, Cali. They got a bunch of dates. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten dates. Brian went out and announced a solo tour in coordination with those dates. So Stray Cats are playing Atlantic City on August 3rd. He is doing a solo show in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on August 5th. Stray Cats doing New York City on August 6th. He is doing a solo show in uh, Maine on August 9th. Uh, August 10th. Brian, solo, at the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. Should be an amazing show. August 11th, he's solo in Delaware. Goes back to Virginia on the 13th to play with the Stray Cats. Stray Cats again on the 14th and 15th before he goes to a solo show in Wisconsin on the 17th. Back to the Stray Cats and their show in Minnesota on the 18th. And so on and so forth. I mean, the guy, he's hes literally squeezing in solo shows around this 40th anniversary tour of the Stray Cats. That's some dedication right there. That is some dedication. I mean, you have to, you have got to have fortitude to be able to pull that off. The more and more I'm in this business, the more I, I hang out with artists backstage, the more I see how completely miserable touring is. I mean, it's miserable. At, at its height, at its best, at its four star, like the Rolling Stones, right? They don't travel lightly. Their travel is miserable. I feel like any travel for that extended time is miserable. You're not in your own bed, different place. You don't eat right. You know, you just never eat right. I never understood why, you know, you watch, you know, uh, the Ray biopic and you watch Johnny Cash and you're like why do these guys all fall into drugs because it's the road like the road is such a life-sucking force you know 
A lot of these guys travel first class. A lot of these guys have nice tour buses with all that stuff. To me, it's still a really, really tough existence. You just never really kind of settle into it. So for him to look at the the 10-day tour and go, you know, I think I can sneak in another 15 solo dates in between all those. That's like, I mean, that's dedication, man. That is dedication to a craft. I mean, you know, it's one month. This is what the guy does. I mean, I totally get it. I just, I'm saying it's tough. You don't think it is. And you think these guys, and, and they do. There's a lot of luxury to go along with it, you know. But I mean, really think about their days. You're on the bus. You show up at a place. You wait around all day long. You get a sound check in at two, three, four o'clock, whatever it is. You'll wait around some more. You go, you do the show. You're like pumped up. You're, you're off the charts, energetic. And then it's time to get back on the bus or find your plane, right? Travel through the night, wake up in the next town next morning just to wait around. Do it all over again. I mean, it's not an easy existence. And there's Brian Setzer going, you know what? <laughs> double down. You always double down on 11, baby. You always double down on 11. Uh, if you get 11 dates, you double down on it and get some more solo dates going. That is the life lesson we can take from Brian Setzer on this Tuesday morning. You know, I could tell the ladies are on the rise. Ladies, feel good about yourselves. You're on the rise. You're on the rise. You make it happen. Here's how I can tell we're taking huge leaps forward uh, for the women's. WrestleMania 35 will have the first ever women's main event. How about that? See what I'm saying? Who needs the White House when you have WWE? I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. It might sound like I'm joking here, but I'd rather, <laughs> I would rather be on a main event in the WWE than in the White House. Do you want to know why? Less painful. Okay? Less painful. And yeah, I've seen all the wrestling documentaries of all these guys who can't walk and there's no cartilage and there's a still less painful than four years in the White House. Just way less painful. Way less painful. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch, and Miss Charlotte. Forgive me if I've blundered those names at all because uh, I'm reading this off of Twitter. Will battle for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 35. <laughs> How about this? If you want to go ahead and meet the Rolling Stones, it is very easy to do on their upcoming tour. They're selling VIP packages. Very convenient, very easy. You buy a package, you get to meet them. Packages are going for $17,500. Boom! How do you like that? $17,500. That's quite a bit of cash right there. Ba-bam. But thank you. But, but it's that was a little that was a smidge. That was a smidge behind. Uh, but it was a little uh, it, it's a little, you know, you're meeting the Rolling Stones. Now, before you sit there, get ready to hop on your keyboard and scream about how these money grumbling old timers and how much money do they need and all that. Take it easy. Take it easy there, keyboard cowboy. Seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. All goes to charity. That's how much the VIP, uh, that's what the VIP meet and greets are for. Uh, by the way, I mean, if I were the Rolling Stones, and I, now I love meeting everybody. That's, you know, 
But if I were the Rolling Stones and I was doing this for 50 years, I would have been like, you know what? Let's make this 50 grand. <laughs> Let's make this 50 grand. 17 ain't enough. Uh, it actually is pretty cool. And the fact that it's all going to charity is a whole nice thing. You can go to ifonly.com. Actually, better yet, go to the EHM Facebook page. Because uh, Joe's show yesterday had the uh, foresight to set up a GoFundMe. <laughs> Joe's show with the smart move was like, hey, let's set up a GoFundMe. Look at Joe's show. She's being charitable. And also, you know, she wants to meet the Stones. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Huge Stones fan, that Joe show. Massive. Massive. If you ever run into Joe's show somewhere, ask her about her headphones. She has the same headphones I have, except for one massive difference. Anyway, uh, ifonly.com has all the information on what the um, the tour dates are to go along with this. By the way, uh, no New York dates on the VIP tour listing. Uh, and there are two dates that are already sold out of the $17,500 ticket packages. So when you're sitting there going, well, who would pay that? Well, two shows are already completely sold out. Now, I don't know how many they're allowing per show, but I mean, I would imagine somewhere in the 10 to 20 ticket range, maybe 30 or 40 even. Uh, Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, where all the nerds are that are making a ton of money programming our uh, devices. Uh, that's sold out there, no surprise. And uh, Washington, D.C., where all those Washington fat cats are, uh, no surprise, sold out there as well. It's also going to be available in Seattle, Chicago, Glendale, uh, Nolens. Houston and Jacksonville, Florida, April 24th. That's the first place it's available. Pretty cool package, too. Two uh, premium tickets. I would imagine that's pretty close up. Uh, you get priority check-in. You get pre-show hospitality reception, some snacks before the show. You get a meet and greet with the band before the show. Personal photo with the band by a professional photographer. Swag bag with merch for each guest. Um... And, uh, oh, here's the other little thing. I love this part about it. Please note that guests attending may be required to pass a background check. So if your taxes aren't in order or you got a warrant out somewhere for you, maybe this is not the package to buy right now. Why don't you go ahead and lay low and wait to get your own legal troubles all cleared up? And yeah, I'm talking to you, Cousin Vinny. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you were thinking about this one, let's sit this one out, my man. Because you got some priors, and uh, that background check can be scary, especially when it's done by a touring musicians. I know that they clearly, <laughs> the Stones probably are, have an excellent background check. Well, we can't have anything happen to Keith, so we got to make sure that there's no psychopaths going back there as well. Also, I would hope that there's like a, a Keith cigarette in. Like, I, I would hope if I'm going to plunk down seventeen five, I would get a pack of smokes at least from Keith. You know what I'm saying? I would, for seventeen five. I should be able to take it out of the tip of his guitar. I should be able to just pull it right out, put it in a box, hold on to it, put it on eBay, see if I can't recoup some of that seventeen five. Let's talk about a topic that is uh, near and dear to my heart, and that's um, taking some time away from Justin Bieber. And it looks like that's what we're getting. I kid, I'm kidding around a little bit here. Um, by the way, earlier we were talking about the most underrated artists ever, and I feel like that's Josh Ritter. And I was mentioning how. What does he have, like 98,000 followers on Facebook and 37,000 followers on Twitter? Like, just to illustrate how underappreciated um, Josh Ritter is, you know, he just writes this incredible music and he's just not as popular as he should be. 
you know, love him here at EHM. We play him. You know, we played a lot of his material over the years, but he's just he's never sort of gained any sort of that acclaim. Justin Bieber on Instagram, 106.7 million followers. 106 points. When I first saw 106.7, I thought he was over at Light FM for some reason. I was like, what's going on here? But 106.7 million followers. I can remember a time when, like, I think it was, like, Lady Gaga or something like that, um, when we were like, Lady Gaga has 20 million followers. Like, like, amazing. Like, we were amazed over 20 million followers with Lady Gaga. And now Bieber's got 106.7 million on Instagram. It's just craziness. Anyway, on a post on Instagram, Bieber, who is 25 years old, I thought he was older than that. He's only 25. Said he is currently, quote, focused on repairing some of the deep-rooted issues that I have so that I don't fall apart, so that I can sustain my marriage and be the father I want to be, end quote. It's kind of sweet when you think about it. Like, I know I'm poking fun a little, but I got to say, I do admire the kid for having the ability to be like, you know what? I'm going to slow down here. And because uh, not for nothing. I mean, I don't know if you if your brain is as morbid as mine, but I, you know, I grew up in New York and an Italian family just loaded up with guilt. He's he's nearing that 27 club. He is nearing that 27 club. So if there's a time to put the brakes on and take it easy and try and find some Zen, try and get a little centered. Yeah. 25, 26. That's the time to do it. That's the time to do it. Because if you're Bieber, you're staring at that 27 club going, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe we should take it easy. <laughs> Label's like, let's put out another record. You're like, I don't know. Let me, let's just, uh, you know what? You know it's a good year to put out another record? When I'm 28. When I'm 28 would be a good time to do it. Let me take some time off right now. Um, I give him credit. Anybody who can turn around and be like, look, I'm just going down this path and I need to just Slow down. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father. That's admirable to me. That's really, really admirable to me. Uh, Bieber went on to say, music is very important to me, but nothing comes before my family and my health. Bieber married Haley Baldwin in November of 2018. I think they've been like in therapy and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I, I get I get little tidbits of tabloid garbage. I think he's still hung up on... I don't know which one, Selena Gomez or Taylor Swift. I, I forget which one he was with. It doesn't matter. He married Haley and then something happened and then, I don't know, he got all hung up. I, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. But good for the kid if he's trying to clear his head a little bit. And good for us to get a little break from Bieber. That's nice. You know, maybe he comes back with something a little bit uh, more substantial than the pop music. I mean, it's kind of around that time, right? You look at the Beatles and what they did. It was all very bubblegum until they ran into Bob Dylan. They got a little older. They were in the game for a little while. And then they were like, what are we doing? Let's write some more meaningful material. Who knows? Uh, maybe I'm not saying Bieber is the next uh, John Lennon here, but maybe he uh, he takes a turn in uh, in his career and uh, does something a little bit more positive. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, think about it. When did he pop? When he was like 16 or 14 or something crazy? I mean, he's been going at it. He's only 25, but he's been at it for like over 10 years as a little kid. It was super tough. That is super tough to do. I mean, when you look at, you know, we were talking about the Michael Jackson stuff and, and leaving Neverland and all this garbage, you know, that's going on now. Uh, and you And the one thing that I noticed that people kept saying, and it was maybe a crutch, maybe an excuse for allowing some of Michael Jackson's behavior to go on was... He never had a childhood. 
like, oh, Michael never had a childhood and all, like all this stuff. And it's like, well, you know, it, it, that's a hard thing, you know, and it's no, you know, look at all the stuff, all the trouble that he got himself into later on and all the other kid actors and musicians and all that stuff. So good for Bieber for stopping that train for a second. Uh, he's been active since 2007. He's 25 now. So since he was 13, since he was 13 years old, this kid has been, you know, on the grind out there putting out records and touring and everything else. Uh, I think he was discovered on YouTube by, uh, who was he discovered by? Usher? I think Usher discovered him on YouTube. Yeah, that's not an easy existence. Good for Bieber. I think we need some time apart. Justin, it's not you. It's us. You know what I'm saying? Let's all take a break, take five minutes, and then we'll come back and regroup and see what's what. Could you imagine if Bieber put out like a folk record? Like, what's this centering going to do? Like, look, look at all the other, like, look at George Harrison, right? Like, look at all the other breaks and, and time off things and changes in trajectory. Like, oh, my God. Could EHM in 2021 be spinning the new Justin Bieber? I guess anything's possible. Pearl Jam fans, I am actively keeping my eye on the band and what they're doing. Uh, I know they are on our list of uh, anticipated albums of 2019. They were on our list of anticipated albums of 2018. So anytime Pearl Jam moves, I'm on it. I'm all over it. Uh, no update on the album, but I do have uh, this piece, which is that uh, Mike McCready, Pearl Jam guitarist, will be helping his hometown Seattle Mariners kick off the 2019 Major League Baseball season by performing the national anthem prior to the team's opening day game taking place uh, on Thursday, March 28th. The game is at Seattle's T-Mobile Park and will feature the Mariners taking on the defending World Series champions, Boston Red Sox. Um this is, uh, this is, I mean, you know, here, here's what bugs me about this a little bit though. Like I know Seattle's a really cool place and there's a lot of amazing people that live there, but I feel like New York is getting outshined, not only on the field, but off the field, like the Yankees, the Mets, we can't put together something like awesome, like Mike McCready doing the national anthem. I just went and scoured the the Mets and the Yankees opening day performances and Googling I'm on their website, trying to find stuff. I mean, maybe it's there, but I haven't seen it. I have no idea who's going to be there for the uh, the Mets and the Yanks. No idea. And you'd think we'd be bringing some huge names here in New York, but we got nothing. We got nothing. The Mariners have Mike McCready, and what do we have? We need like a killer, you know, national anthem ripping, you know, I mean, just they have good fans over there in Seattle. They have cool music. We don't have. I don't know if we have the big time music fans. Like when I think of like famous fans for the Mets, I think of Jerry Seinfeld. You know, and I like Jerry, but I don't know how he would do with a six string. I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he could pull off the national anthem. I mean, we could let him do like a stand up set before the national anthem. That would be, that would be nice. But it's not the national. An- I mean, I guess we could let him do a bit on the anthem. I don't know, you know, I don't know if that would be good. Who is this Jose guy? And why do we care what he can see so much? I don't know. I just don't. I, we're not as cool. Mets fans, we're already staring down. DeGrom's not signed. 
we're just it, we're already staring down a miserable year. I get to see it already, and here's Seattle just rubbing it in our faces with Mike McCready of Pearl Jam. We got nothing. Seriously, who is Dawn? Why does she have her light on so early? Ladies and gentlemen, the Mets. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm just depressed. I, I mean, it just that just it's a sad state when you're depressed two days before the season even starts. Let's talk about David Bowie shoes. Super excited about this. Uh, Vans is partnering up with the Bowie family, and they're going to be putting out a collection of David Bowie shoes. We're taking a look at it here in the EHM studio. This is coming off of the uh, collaboration that we just talked about on a previous morning show vlog. By the way, you can see all the vlogs at WEHM.com, where uh, Vans partnered together with uh, Led Zeppelin to put together a whole bunch of there. I think they only had two shoes, though. Uh, the Bowie collection is going to have four. I get it. You know, we can sit here and argue all day long about who's better musically, Bowie or Zeppelin, but we can all agree, fashion-wise, Bowie should have more than Zeppelin. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Um, he was named greatest entertainer in the BBC uh, recently, greatest entertainer of the 20th century, and now he's got a new collection with Vans. Uh, let me give you all the details and information. Four shoes, each taking roots in one of Bowie's albums, Hunky Dory, Aladdin Sane, Space Oddity, and Diamond Dogs. Uh, the first shoe that we're looking at here in the EHM studio, this is uh, the super nice. It's got the Bowie lightning rods on it in red and black uh, up against a black and white checkerboard uh, design, white soles, uh, black everywhere else, and it has Bowie with the sort of lightning coming off of the B. That's called the Skater uh, High, the Skater spelled SK8, or the Skate High, I guess you can call it. Uh, that's the first shoe there. Uh, the second shoe, um, greenish blue with the blue polka dots, that is being titled The Era. Uh, the third shoe is again the black and white checkerboard, which is made of some sort of a fuzzy material uh, with yellow on it. This is the slip-on 47VDX inspired by Hunky Dory. It's got the Hunky Dory font over across the Velcro lip right over here. You can kind of see this Velcro lip um, that has David Bowie written on it in the David Bowie font. And then uh, finally here, inspired by Aladdin Sane. This might be the sweetest one for me. The old school sneaker inspired by Aladdin Sane. It's got the lightning down the side, sort of similar to where like a Nike swoosh would be, but it comes up from the heel, has David Bowie written on the back of the heel, and then it has a Vans tag on the rubber sole of the shoe. The entire shoe is white, sole, toe, everything is white, white laces, and the only flash of color you have is the that red and blue with a little bit of a black stroke on it of the uh, Aladdin Sane lightning bolt or the Ziggy lightning bolt uh, and the David Bowie written in that bluish sort of gradient into red on the bottom. Uh, It really looks pretty sweet. It really, really looks pretty sweet. I love what Vans is doing here. I don't know what Vans is paying for licensing fees, but I feel like it's totally worth it because when was the last time you heard anybody talking about outside? I mean, I know sneaker culture is massive. I know sneaker culture is massive, um, but I'm talking about general across pop culture. Like, who's really talking about sneakers? I think licensing sneakers is a genius move by Vans, 
and whatever they're paying out for the names, it's got to be worth it for them because, again, the publicity that they're drawing behind this, getting shows like The Morning Show with Anthony to talk about it is huge, is massive. You, I mean, you can't pay for this sort of publicity. So um, on top of the fact that, you know, it gives Bowie fans another, you know, another thing for us to buy and get excited about. I'm not one of these people that thinks that merch is a bad thing. I think merch is awesome. I really, really do. I never viewed merch as a sellout kind of a thing. I never got that. I love this stuff. Like, if you're a Bowie fan, if you're into this, like, yeah, whatever. Coasters, T-shirts, hats, shoes now. Like, I, I, you know, people want to buy this stuff. They want to be closer to the artist. Uh, many articles, even the one on WEHM.com, points out Bowie's influence with the fashion world. Uh, during his lifetime, Bowie heavily influenced designers Jean-Paul Gaultier and Dries Van Noten. Sorry, I don't know that second one as good as the first one. Uh, in 2013, in a fashion and memorabilia-focused exhibition, David Bowie Is brought the musician's iconic style to museums all over the globe. David Bowie Is was also turned into an augmented reality phone app. We downloaded it and we did a whole entire start to finish review that we put on the morning show vlog. We'll throw links for that up when we put this online and um, we'll also encourage everybody just go to WHM.com. You'll see it on the morning show with Anthony vlog page. It was a lot of fun. We screen capped my phone and we taped me just going through the whole experience of downloading the app, starting it, looking at it. It was amazing. Amazing. Like, it's sad that we miss Bowie, but obviously I'd love to still have him here creating music. But the other cool thing, the other thing that I miss about him, which would have been cool, was like, what would he be able to do with technology in 2019, in 2025? Like, I mean, he was just always sort of on the forefront of trying things and never being afraid. Um, And it just seems like it would be really cool to still have him around, like not only creating music, but also, you know, taking part in all the tech stuff. That's uh, so much fun to uh, see here. Like that app, I think he would have been super, super proud of that app. I would assume he was in on the beginnings of it, but I, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know how long it took to develop. Uh, so good on Vans. Zeppelin Collection out, celebrating their 50th anniversary. Bowie Collection, just because Bowie. There's no reason. You don't need a reason to celebrate Bowie. Uh, and the cool thing is, it's March 26th. The Bowie Collection hits stores April 5th and there's actually a way that you can sign up to receive alerts about the collection again I will link this uh, when we post the morning show with Anthony vlog let's talk about Apple's huge announcement yesterday they're always making huge announcements and uh, Netflix and music and, and future and tech like a little tech talk on the morning show with Anthony on occasion um I watched the announcement yesterday. If you missed it, Apple basically announced the rollout of their new TV service. Uh, They announced a credit card. They announced um, an arcade. They announced a whole bunch of interesting things. Um, I think they may have single-handedly saved the print industry yesterday uh, with the Apple magazine thing. What are they? They're calling it Apple News Plus. So if you have an iPhone, you have the Apple News uh, app, which curates news for you, which I think is good. And um, you know why I like their curation? Because they show you the top stories and then they also customize stuff for you as well. So they kind of give you both, 
Whereas in social media, we're sort of losing that edge because Facebook and even Twitter starting to lean this way where they're just so desperate to keep you on the platform. They're just curating stuff to you based on what you've already clicked on before. And I think it's important to kind of have what you like as well as what's happening in the world. You know, I obsessively click on hockey stuff and and, you know, logo design, like really stupid things. And my feed sort of fills up with that a lot sometimes. And it's kind of hard to be like, well, what else is happening in the world? You know, so I think Apple's done a good job with that. And they developed this new part of Apple News where it's Apple News Plus and it will be just essentially magazine subscriptions. So you have an industry in magazines that is dying, essentially dying and faster than newspapers. And here comes Apple. And this is the important part with a billion iPhones and more uh, in circulation in the world, like, here you go, magazines, here's a way for you guys to reach people with your journalism and your stories and your photography and your video. And they did really cool stuff with it, too. It's super interactive, so it's, you know, you can look at the cover of a magazine, and it's not just a still, but as you move your phone, the image moves. Sometimes it's a video that moves behind the type font. They showed, like, a New York, uh, a Time magazine cover, and it was, like, Time magazine, and Uh, this beautiful picture of Australia and it's like actual video instead of just a photo. So they not only did the simple but smart thing of taking this dying industry and making it more modern and delivering it in a modern way, the way people consume media and content these days, but they've updated it so that it's interactive and it is now and not just 1992, you know, or 1975. Uh, So that's pretty interesting. They also are going into the credit card business, which is kind of crazy because they've partnered with MasterCard and and Amex and so many other, you know, with Apple Pay in the past. And, you know, it's kind of a sneaky practice, Apple. I'm not I'm not saying that they're like, you know, totally wholeheartedly nice people. If I was Amex, I'd be upset as hell this morning, you know, waking up to the news that like here are the people that we partnered with on Apple Pay and now they're becoming uh, a competitor of ours, you know? Um, I mean, they are really, their, their vertical integration is insane. And so essentially with their credit card, they're promising, uh, I guess the, the, the real only thing I noticed that was like, this might be better than a normal credit card is their rewards come in on a daily basis. So if you're like me and you use your credit card because you get points back for whatever, Uh, They're essentially giving you those points or that cash, as they call it, instantly. So if it's if you get a point for every hundred dollars you spend, you don't get that point until the end of the month comes Uh, with this Apple credit card. You spend a hundred dollars and immediately you have a dollar back. It's immediately on your card. And then they also have some interesting things about interest and they show you how. I mean, I don't really mess with interest. I, I put stuff on my credit card. I pay it off immediately. Kids, that's a good lesson for you. Definitely do that. Um, but, um, they're kind of promising this more like, you know, you can see how much you could pay off a little bit here and how much interest it would cost. They're sort of trying to modernize the credit card the way they do with the magazine app. Um, it's interesting stuff. I don't know really too much about credit cards, but I could definitely see some of the credit card companies getting a little upset about it. And they did a smart thing with that too, where they not only, uh, you know, created it for your phone, which is the future of everything anyway. I mean, I think little plastic cards, even government issued ID cards, I think are going to go away eventually, of course, and that'll all be stored on your device. Um, uh, 
they've even created an actual card for the time being. Like they're bridging the gap. I think they sort of recognize not everybody takes that Apple Pay just yet. Um, and then if you're in that situation, then you can't use this card. Well, to alleviate that, they're actually going to have a physical card. I believe for now, they didn't say for now, but I think they're going to have it for now. And eventually they'll wind up phasing that out when everything else gets phased out. Because I don't think anybody's going to run around with a wallet anymore. It'll all be on your smart device. Um, so that was that. And then they rolled into uh, Apple TV, which is pretty significant because, again, you look at some of the innovations that they've done with music and the iTunes store and how that completely revolutionized the music industry and then getting into streaming. They were into streaming late. Spotify sort of beat them. Uh, but again, the strength that Apple has in all of this stuff and anybody who has Apple CarPlay, you know that when you plug in your device, your phone will immediately start playing the latest out the latest Apple music you have, not necessarily the latest Spotify. So if you were in the middle of Spotify, it won't go to that automatically. It will go to either an Apple podcast or an Apple music uh, over Spotify, like, you know, like there's an advantage in being the vessel that delivers everything. There's an advantage to the hardware that houses everything. You know, um, they basically essentially get control. And what we're seeing with Apple is they were doing all this innovative stuff with the iPhone for all these years. And they were integrating other people's stuff. Right. I mean, if you get news from Facebook and Twitter, Essentially, like if you're on Facebook and Twitter for news, not so much to interact with friends, essentially they've competed, they've created a competitor for that, you know, especially Twitter, especially Twitter, because I know that tends to be the thing that people really go to for quick and immediate news. Um, So that is definitely a competitor for news. Uh, And they can do this because they're in over a billion pockets right now with the iPhone. Um, And the other focus that was interesting about this is the integration too, because if you're on the iPhone and you have an iPad and you have a MacBook, you get all throughout. And what they really introduced, which really kind of signifies they're really going to step up their game and try and vertically integrate themselves into other places is family sharing. So if I have the news app and I'm paying for the magazine app, which I think is $9.99 a month, Uh, My wife can also view it. My father can also like they have family sharing built into the $9.99 price. So if you're not crazy about paying $9.99 for magazines, think about paying $9.99 for magazines and and six of your family members get to read it as well. You know, Um, it's kind of interesting what they've done. So they also announced Apple TV and Apple TV Plus. They've already had Apple TV where... They rely on HBO and Amazon Prime and Netflix and all these outlets to bring in their content. But with Apple TV Plus, they're actually going to be producing their own content. And I look at this and I go, how long does Netflix really have? Because when you take a look and I and I'm super obsessed with Netflix, you listen to Morning Show, you know, I love Netflix talking about Netflix from day one. Been a Netflix subscriber for, I don't even know, probably close to the beginning. I wasn't in on the sending DVDs in the mail, but as soon as they went to streaming, I hopped right in. And I look at the landscape of all of this now, and I just go, Netflix is dead. I don't really see a scenario where Netflix is here in the next five years. And that seems insane to say. 
And it's easy for me to say because I have no skin in the game. I have nothing to lose if I'm if I'm wrong. But when you look at Amazon and what they've put together with Amazon Prime, you get the free shipping, you get the music, you get all this stuff together with the streaming. It kind of makes sense. Oh, I can get my pirate's booty delivered to me for for free, uh, you know, and not pay shipping on my pirate's booty. Tremendous. That's awesome. And I get to stream some music. Great. That's awesome. And I get to stream music, movies. Pirate's booty. Pirate's booty. And I get to stream movies too. Great. Fantastic. For a hundred bucks a year, no problem. Plunk it down. A lot of us have Amazon. They've integrated themselves into our lives. So it's easier for them to deliver the content. With Apple Plus, they have signed up a whole bunch of writers, directors, stars They've introduced a couple of shows, one of which I'm going to talk about, which revolves around the music industry. And they're already in your pocket. Right. And. If they're making attractive shows and movies and documentaries. And they're already in my pocket and I could share them with mom and dad and I can go everywhere with them. What is the point of. Netflix. What does Netflix has very, very little to offer in that standpoint. Now, you may be in love with a Netflix show like I was with House of Cards. And but outside of that, you know, like now, like House of Cards is over and Netflix has kind of come down for me a little bit. I still love some of the stuff they're doing, but you watch the great comedy specials, the TV shows and everything like that. You're going to start to see. Apple, Amazon, Disney, with the acquisition of 20th 20th Century Fox and Disney Plus, which we know their streaming service is coming in on the horizon. You're going to start to see these things out-competing and out-working Netflix. And Disney has a lot of stuff. TV stations, the parks, their culture, the brand, everything else behind their streaming service. Amazon with the Prime has that behind there. Uh, Apple and their... You know, a lot of people like to say their ecosystem has that behind them. What does Netflix have? Nothing. Nothing. They were first to the game, but they're going to get beat out unless they come up with something amazing, which it's already too, it's, I feel like it's already too late. Not to mention the fact that you're already competing against YouTube, which has this amazing line of content that people create every day and just upload with no cost to them. I mean, Netflix is literally paying out billions of dollars and they're getting back billions of dollars. If Apple and Amazon and Disney siphon off enough, Netflix is dead. And that's what I think is going to happen. Especially when you look at the list of creators that Apple TV Plus has put together. Sophia Coppola, M. Night Shyamalan, Ron Howard. Oprah is going to be a part of it. Steven Spielberg. I noticed uh, John Favreau is going to be in there and a lot of others. And J.J. Abrams, who is an absolute beast in the industry these days, uh, he is teaming up with Sarah Bareilles and they are creating a show. Here's a little snippet of their piece of the Apple rollout yesterday. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, I feel, uh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I feel incredibly lucky to be here today to get a chance to collaborate with Sarah, whose music 
has moved me for years, and with Apple is an actual thrill. A couple years ago, I ran into JJ, and we talked about my experiences as a singer-songwriter. The struggles, the drama, the insanity, and he asked if I had ever thought about creating a series about that world. I had not at all, but I heard myself say, yes, JJ, of course I have. Sarah Brellis is a liar. <laughs> That's the message I hope to communicate today. We brought in Jesse Nelson, Sarah's writing partner on the musical Waitress. We talked about music, but also about that, that terrifying, thrilling, absurdly wonderful and often embarrassing time when, as a young person, you venture out to the world for the first time. So this was the beginning of our new series, Little Voice, a funny, romantic show about the reality of what is hard and wonderful and transformative about being a young woman who has to ultimately find her voice as an artist, but also as a person through music. Sarah, of course, might be lying to you, so... Okay, <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> the main character is a promising, flawed young woman, a musician living in New York, in and around a vibrant community of young, hopeful artists, family and friends, soulmates and bandmates, learning to find herself and her own true voice. Anyone who's ever given everything they have to go after a dream will feel like this show was written for them. And how lucky for the series that Sarah is not just a creator and producer, but also composer. <laughs> The theme song says it all. And then Sarah goes and uh, performs the theme song. So uh, this will be a behind-the-scenes sort of series about what it's like to become a musician. Told by Sarah Bareilles. She's done huge with Waitress. Uh, I assume with J.J. Abrams behind her, this is also going to be massive. Uh, there's also going to be a show about pulling off uh, morning television with uh, Jennifer Aniston and uh, Steve uh, from The Office there. Uh, that is going to be a part of their series. Again, Sofia Coppola, uh, Steven Spielberg, M. Night I mean, like, the list goes on and on. They went for A-list, top tier, and some of the best up-and-coming new artists in the game, they are throwing a lot of money behind this. They have a lot of money to throw behind this. And if you notice this too, Sarah Bareilles and music, they've pulled in Oprah to tell human interest stories. Steven Spielberg will bring sci-fi to it. So it's no mistake in who they've gone after. They're going to look at and focus in on all the individual uh, traits that connect to people. You heard J.J. Abrams say, hey, this is great about, you know, talking about musicians, but anybody who has a dream, right? So you're going to see them go off in segment. There will be sports focus. There will be this. And that. You watch all these initial runs that they put off. I'm sure there'll be something around politics. Or they are going to hone in and make shows that cover the spectrum that will get you to say, all right, I'll give it a shot. The only thing that we don't know is what the price is going to be for the streaming service. We know it will include HBO and Showtime. We know that HBO on its own costs around $15 to stream. Uh, I think Showtime is around the same. If you get the Showtime, whatever their streaming thing is, um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Netflix is not a part of this new Apple TV, which is interesting. Also, Disney, who has had a longstanding partnership with Apple, is not a part of this new service. Although they did go on to point out very, uh, you know, very profoundly 
that they are including Sesame Street in this. Because obviously, if you're not going to have Disney, you need to have some sort of kids programming. And it looks like Sesame Street is going to be that thing that makes sense with the HBO partnership, since I think HBO is now producing uh, Sesame Street, uh, even for PBS. So there you go. Um, you look at content and how it's delivered and what Apple did with music and iTunes, and they're doing it again, essentially saving magazines because nobody was subscribing to magazines. Now they'll get a little bit of money in the pool there for any magazine who has joined this magazine service. Taken on Twitter a little bit with the News Plus curation, the credit cards and the credit card company, your viewing, your content. Steve Crow. Steve Carell. Uh, it'll all be a part of this Apple ecosystem. It's kind of crazy to think about. It's kind of crazy to think about. But we look at, you know, what happens. And, you know, I don't want to get into the political sphere here. Uh, but you're seeing these companies that were like, oh, they make the phones. And here we are all these years later. And they're making the phones and running the credit cards and distributing news to you and curating your television watching and your music, you know, listening. And, you know, look at all the big industries that they're affecting right now. It's a lot. It's a lot. And like I was saying on the show the other day, it's very few people in charge of what we're seeing every day being delivered to us on a daily basis. It's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. I don't know if these things need to be broken up. I don't know if that's the way, but I think regulation, I think something, somebody's got to keep an eye out for us here as these companies just continue to balloon and get massive. But I am excited about that Sarah Barella show. I will say that. Let's get into uh, your daily music note and talk about Regina Spector. She's about to make her Broadway debut in a career-spanning live residency which will span five dates. That doesn't say much for your career, I don't think. Bruce had, what, like a year and a half? <laughs> She's got five dates. Um, the uh, Lunfontaine Theater in New York will have Regina Spector June 20th, 21st, 22nd, 25th, and 26th. I kid, obviously Bruce is Bruce. Uh, Regina, though, is an incredible um, artist, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing this and what it becomes. Ticket presale is today at 10 a.m. through Thursday at 10 p.m. General on sale begins Friday at 10 a.m. Uh, Regina said in a statement about the performances, quote, I am so inspired as I plan these five nights on Broadway at the Lafontaine Theater, a beautiful old theater with a rich history. Uh, she said in the stint part of the in residency on Broadway series co-produced by Live Nation. One of the things I'm most excited about is the chance to explore theatrical elements within my concert show. This isn't a Broadway show, and yet it's not a concert tour either. I'm revisiting all the songs I've ever written to see how some of them might group together and connect into a show. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that we told you about the in-residence on Broadway that Live Nation is producing. I think this is a brilliant thing, especially on the heels of what Bruce has done, on the heels of what The Who has done with theatrics and so on and so forth, to just have a theater in place where different artists like Regina and other can come in and, you know, do five nights, do a month, do two weeks, you know, whatever it is, do six months, whatever it is, uh, to do these residency type shows, I think is pure brilliance. Obviously, there's always an audience 
in New York. They're always a uh, musically musically driven people. Um, I think it's just thumbs up all the way around. I don't think anybody loses here in any way, shape, or form. So Regina Spector is going to be one of the first artists coming to Broadway on this uh, In Residence on Broadway series, co-produced by Live Nation, Lunfontaine Theater, June 20th, 21st, 22nd, 25th, 26th. Like I said, pre-sale today at 10, all the way to Thursday at 10 p.m., and then the regular on-sale goes Friday, March 29th. 